Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. Good job, Lauren. Okay, I got it. Dad. Okay, don't forget to carry the one. Dad. Okay, that was delicious. Thank you. Hold on there, kiddo. Jeez. There you go. Okay, just one more. Hold your trophy up a little bit higher. Dad. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. Dad. I love it. Um, no. Dad. Dad. And they were here first. So Dad! We... So you want to go catch a movie at like 7.30 or something? <sighs> Dad! And one more. Okay, one more. Okay, let's go. Wait, wait, wait. Come on. Just one more. One more. Dad! I'm so proud of you. Now you just gotta get a job. Dad! You look beautiful. Oh, Dad. Uh, and stand just a little closer together and move just a little bit to the left, uh, my left, uh, a little more. Dad! My goodness, how is a daddy supposed to preach after that? Good gracious, that was beautiful. Welcome to Faith Bridge. Whether you are at the Klein campus, our Woodlands campus, or if you're coming to us online, we are so glad that you have chosen to worship at Faith Bridge today on this Father's Day. We're going to be talking about fatherhood today, looking at it through the lens of Scripture, taking a look at the relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly Father. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, that's the fourth book in your New Testament, chapter 13. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles and just hold that place there for a few minutes. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Our ushers are coming down the aisle. They'll be glad to give you one. That can be yours to keep if you need to have a Bible. Before we jump into the message, though, let's take just a moment and pray together, shall we? Father, thank you for the privilege of coming to your house to worship your Son, Jesus Christ, in and through the power of your Holy Spirit. We're grateful today that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us as Father, and that your love and your mercy, your kindness, your encouragement, your strength, all of it represent the very perfection of fatherhood. As we turn our attention now to your word, 
to understand a little better how we can be better fathers. We pray that your Holy Spirit would come just as you promised and guide us into all truth. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. By nature, I'm the kind of person that likes to know a little bit about something before I commit to getting involved. Uh, Spontaneity is definitely not a strong suit of mine. I am not a Geronimo kind of guy. Whether we're talking about uh, a new ministry project or uh, a repair project at home or perhaps making a big purchase, I just want to know a little bit about what's going on before I get knee deep into whatever it may be. Unfortunately, for people like me, there are some things in life that you just can't know anything about, really, until you are in it. And my observation has been that several of these kinds of things are among the biggest experiences of life. Things like marriage and parenthood. Anyone who's been a parent can tell you, uh, it doesn't matter how many books you've read, how many observations you've made, you just can't know what it's like until all of a sudden you are in it. And, you know, doggone it, the uh, little scutters, they don't come with an instruction manual. And it seems like every phase, every season of life, there's a whole new list of challenges and questions and things that have to be dealt with that... As a parent, you've never dealt with before. You just kind of figure it out as you go. I give thanks every day for my wife, Becky, and her role in parenting our three daughters because unlike me, she is very much a go-with-the-flow, take-it-as-it-comes, deal-with-it-in-the-moment sort of person. I'm glad for the sake of our daughters that's how she is because if the whole parenting enterprise had been left up to me, I think it might have been a disaster of the first order. Truth be told, I think generally speaking, not always, but most of the time, moms do have a bit of a leg up on dad when it comes to the work of parenting. By nature, uh, moms tend to be more nurturing, uh, more empathetic, and uh, believe it or not, guys, they uh, actually understand these little people called children. I remember when our firstborn was just uh, a few weeks old. We hadn't had her home from the hospital long at all. Admiring her, but then turning and looking at Becky and asking, so like, when does she become human? Uh, Mystery for a lot of guys about the whole parenting thing. Be that as it may, though, that does not release us from any responsibility. We still have a huge role to play in the rearing of our children. And I want to look at one particular responsibility this morning, and that is the responsibility that we have as dads to help our kids answer the big questions of life. There's about a handful of universal questions out there that apply to everyone everywhere. They are, as I said, the big questions of life that relate to practically every person on the planet. Talking about questions uh, of identity, 
Who am I? Questions of purpose. Why am I here? Questions of destiny. Where is my life going? Where will it go when this earthly part of my journey is over? These are big questions that we all deal with at one time or another. And dads, we have the unique and special opportunity, the privilege to come alongside our children if we choose to and help them begin to answer these questions. Jesus dealt with these questions. Jesus had answers for these questions. And in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 13, we find evidence of the satisfactory answers that Jesus was able to get to these sorts of questions. We're going to begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I suppose every child comes into the world asking that fundamental question, who am I? What, what does it mean to be me? What sort of person has God created me to be? And it's imperative that our children receive a helpful answer to this question because in many respects, the answer that they get sets the trajectory for the rest of their lives and has tremendous influence on the person that they will become and the things that they will accomplish in their lives. Jesus was able to be who he was because he knew he was the son of God. That was his identity. Jesus understood himself in terms of his relationship to the Father. You'll recall that at the beginning of his ministry, when Jesus was baptized, a voice spoke from heaven to those who had gathered there. It was the voice of the Father. And he said to everyone who was there, this is my son, my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then at the end of his ministry, the very night that we just read about, the last night of his earthly life, John makes clear that Jesus understood that his father had put all things under his power, that he had come from the father, and that he was returning to the father. Both the beginning and the end of Jesus' ministry are bookended with this understanding of his relationship with the Father. His identity as a human being was wrapped up in his relationship with the Father. I'm convinced that there is no way Jesus could have endured the scorn, the shame, the agony of Holy Week unless he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was the Son of God. It was essential for Jesus to accomplish the work of salvation that he know beforehand 
He was God's son. Otherwise, I think it would have been quite easy for him to have taken one look at the cross and say, no thanks. He had to know who he was. And our children need to know who they are as well. Fathers, let's never underestimate the importance of self-identity for our kids and the importance of our role in helping them figure that out. Because blessings, many blessings will flow to our children if they can begin their lives knowing this is who I am and this is where I come from. For one thing, it provides an anchor in their lives. You know as well as I do that it doesn't take long in life before the winds of temptation and testing and trial begin to blow. And if a young person does not know who they are, where they come from, they're going to be blown about by every wind that comes along. But if from the day they were born, it's been communicated to them and shared with them, and dads, we have taken the time and the effort and the energy to tell them who they are and where they come from, they're going to have a strength to choose the hard right thing instead of the easy wrong thing. It will give them a sense of confidence when they move out into the world because you know as well as I do that the world has a way of beating us up and putting us down and trying to steal our confidence, trying to persuade us that we really don't amount to much. But the child who's been told, who knows and understands, I am somebody. I'm a child of God. I've been created by his hand. I am of immeasurable worth. That young person is going to be able to stand strong with confidence and know that because of who they are, they have nothing to fear because God is their father and their earthly father has demonstrated that love to them over and over by letting them know this is who you are. I probably don't have to tell you, dads, that if we don't take advantage of that opportunity to impart that knowledge to our kids, the world is more than ready to step right in and take that responsibility from us. And any message that the world imparts to our child will not be one of strength. It won't be one of confidence. It will be one of fear. It will be one of destruction. It will be one of uncertainty and insecurity. We cannot let this opportunity pass us by. As I was preparing the message, I couldn't help but think about a childhood friend of mine. Uh, I'll call him Jimmy. Uh, When we were small... Uh, Jimmy's father was a very, very successful businessman, did quite well for himself, but he had zero time for Jimmy. And you know, when you're little, you don't really uh, understand these relational dynamics. Uh, All I knew about Jimmy was that he seemed awfully needy. He needed a lot of tension. He needed a lot of love. He needed a lot of validation. And as we grew up, Uh, that neediness began to express itself in lots of different ways. He tried to attach himself to different groups, to be accepted, to be loved because he didn't know who he was. He wasn't much of an athlete, so he didn't fit in with those guys. He wasn't a musician, so he didn't fit in with the band. His grades weren't that good, so he didn't hang with the smart kids. As it turned out, there was one group 
in high school that was quite welcoming of Jimmy, and unfortunately, it was the drug crowd. And I think the reason, one of the reasons they welcomed Jimmy is because they knew that he had money, that he came from money, and he could underwrite the activities that they wanted to engage in. As we grew up, our our lives grew apart, and it was sad for me and my family to watch Jimmy's life just slowly spiral out of control. And a few years after we graduated, I heard that Jimmy had died. He died of AIDS. A bad needle took his life. But it didn't have to be that way. That didn't have to be his fate. And that, or something like it, doesn't have to be the fate of our children either. If, fathers, we will take the God-given responsibility that we have to love our children, to communicate to them, this is who you are. You belong to the living God. You belong to us. You are loved. You matter. The way you live your life matters. Don't surrender that responsibility to the world. Stand up and take it for yourself. Give to your children that anchor that they need. Give to your children that confidence that they need. And let the knowledge of who they are form a foundation in their lives upon which they can begin to build an answer to the second big question. And that is, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why did God bring me into this world? What are the plans that he has for me and the years of my life? Back in Jesus' day, washing someone else's feet was considered the most menial of chores. That was something that was relegated to servants and to slaves. No one of any standing would ever stoop to do something as low as washing other people's dirty feet. And yet we read in the passage that quite comfortably, Jesus was able to stand up at that last supper and wash the feet of all of his disciples, his followers. Why could he do that? I'll tell you why. Because first of all, Jesus knew who he was, and secondly, he knew why he was here. The Father had revealed to Jesus his purpose, and that was to serve humanity. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says of himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. With that knowledge, firm in Jesus' mind and in his heart, he was able to set about and do whatever had to be done to serve humanity, to serve you and me. He was set free from what anybody else might think about it. He was set free from any fear or concern about his standing in society, he was set free to do what God had called him to do because he knew that God had called him to do that. And he was willing to do whatever it took to serve humanity up to and including dying for you and for me. Gentlemen, part of our job is to help our children begin to discover why God brought them into this world and what his wonderful, life-changing plans are for their lives. 
Now, I understand that there is a school of thought out there that says, no, 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 that, that's going too far. You know, the, the, the role of a parent is simply to provide a, a moral order and understanding of the, of the basics of life, but then the child has to move out and, and figure out for him or herself what they're supposed to do with their lives. But to my mind, in my humble opinion, that strikes me as parental malpractice. I think about it. Part of our job is to get our children ready for adulthood. And a huge part of adulthood is knowing what to do with your life. Why on earth would we not use every opportunity to help our kids figure out what it is God made them to do? Now, I'm not talking about micromanaging every aspect of our children's lives. I'm not talking about living out our own unfulfilled dreams through them. That's another kind of parental malpractice itself. But what I am talking about is coming alongside our son, our daughter, and giving them every opportunity to hear God's voice, to know God's voice, to understand and to listen to him and his ideas and his notions about how they should spend the days that he has given to them. That's a tremendous privilege that you and I have that we dare not give to anyone else. Some of you will recognize the name Elizabeth Elliot. Mrs. Elliot was one of the great Christian leaders, worldwide leaders of the 20th and 21st century. She died just this past week at the age of 88 and lived one of the most on-purpose lives of anyone I've ever known of. Back in the 1950s, Mrs. Elliot and her husband Jim and their infant daughter Valerie traveled to the nation of Ecuador along with four other missionary couples. And their heart's desire was to share the gospel with a group of people that the world had forgotten. They lived deep in the rainforest and for all practical purposes were essentially Stone Age people. But the Elliots and these other missionaries knew that God loved these people and wanted to take the light of the gospel to them. And so they moved there and began to plan about how they could reach out and make contact. And sadly... In one of the earliest contacts that the men made with the tribe's people resulted in their death. The tribe's people were fearful. They were afraid. They didn't understand the motives and intentions of the missionaries. And in order to protect themselves, they struck out and they murdered those five men, including Elizabeth's husband, Jim. And one could hardly blame Mrs. Elliot if she had not decided in that moment to pack up Valerie and go right back to the safety of the United States. But she didn't. She stayed. She and some of the other wives stayed there for a number of years and continued to live out the call of God upon their lives. And because of their faithfulness to live out God's purposes and plans, they became friends with these people. And they were able to share the gospel with these people. And even some of the very men who had murdered their husbands came to know the forgiving, saving love of Jesus because of Mrs. Elliot and those other women. As I said, Mrs. Elliot died this week. After her missionary years, she had gone on to 
to be an author, the host of a, a radio show, and uh, the producer of her radio show wrote these words about her. Elizabeth believed in asking this foundational question. Is this God's will for me right now in this place? Unapologetically, Elizabeth espoused, espoused such truths as give to get, lose to find, and die to live. Setting her sights on things above, Elizabeth ministered among three indigenous groups in Ecuador before helping listeners and readers find joy in the ordinary affairs of life like cooking meals and cleaning toilets, as she wrote her books and spoke on her globally syndicated radio program. She called it living sacramentally, and her rock-solid principles shaped my life. You and I live in a culture that values self-glorification over almost everything else. Get your 15 minutes of fame. Get your name out there. Make your fortune. Do whatever it takes to become known, to become famous. And yet those things are passing away. It really is 15 minutes of worthless fame because when it's gone, it's gone. And dads, we have the amazing opportunity and responsibility to impart to our children an understanding of life that says, I'm going to invest in things that matter. I'm going to invest in eternal things, things that will make a difference forever, both in my life and in the lives of the people that I minister to and love and know. But they won't figure that out on their own. No, they need fathers to come alongside them to take the time, the energy, the effort, and the initiative, the intentionality to say, this is what life is all about. It's not about those things that are uh, fading away, that are passing away. No, life is about eternity. Choose to invest your life in those things. Know who you are child of God, know why you are here to live out his good and perfect purposes in your life. And then third, we get, now we, we don't have to, we get to talk to our children about their eternal destiny. Where will I go when this all too short sojourn on the planet is over? What does the afterlife mean for me? This passage in John leaves no doubt. Jesus knew absolutely what awaited him. Verse 3 says he knew that he had come from the Father and he knew he was going back to the Father. There was not a doubt in his mind about where he was going and neither should there be any doubt in the minds of our children. Why? Because you and I, have taken the time and the effort and the energy and the initiative and the intentionality to tell them about Jesus. To tell them about his plan for salvation in their lives. To disciple them, to teach them how to pray, to give to them a love for God's word, to give to them a love for God's people, to understand that life is to be lived in the light of God's love and God's plan. 
and God's desire for them to be with him throughout all of eternity. That's what life is all about. You know, the, the, the blessing and the curse of being a child is that they can only see what is right in front of their face. The blessing is that they get to live in the moment. Children live more in the moment than anybody else. They embrace the moment fully. The curse is the possibility that they may forget there is a tomorrow and that tomorrow has consequences. And it's our job to open their eyes to the reality of tomorrow, that it's coming and it's going to last forever. And you get to choose where you will spend forever. And God calls you and me, dads and moms, to understand that our number one mission field in the world is at home with the gifts that he has given to us. Thanks be to God for our kids' ministry. Thanks be to God for our student ministry. But it's not their job to introduce our children to Jesus. They are supplementary. That responsibility falls squarely upon our shoulders. What will you say when one day you give an accounting for the parenting of your children? Will you be able to say with joy in your heart you did everything you could to tell them about the Lord of life? I hope so. I hope so. Jesus loved us with a love beyond description, so much so that he gave his life for us. And today we're going to gather at his table to celebrate that sacrifice, and I I think it's fitting we do so on Father's Day because the table is symbolic of family. And the table reminds us That because he knew who he was, and he knew why he was here, and he knew where he was going, Jesus was able to give his broken body for you and for me. And because he knew who he was, and why he was here, and where he was going, he was able to let his blood be spilled for the forgiveness of our sin. The knowledge of these things had eternal ramifications, not just for Jesus, but for you and for me as well. As we come to the table today, I want to challenge you fathers to commit or perhaps to recommit your life to making sure that your children can answer these big questions And answer them biblically. Answer them according to God's plan and purposes in their lives. And and I want to give you one other challenge as well. Right here at Faithbridge. You don't have to go far. But even right here at Faithbridge. There are any number of kids. Who don't have a dad. Either dad is literally gone. Or he's just not available to them. And they are desperate for someone to come into their lives and be a godly influence. 
I challenge you to begin praying as a family about who might you be able to reach out to and love and influence and help answer these all-important questions. And if you can't find someone here at Faith Bridge, our Bridging for Tomorrow ministry reaches out to thousands of children in the lower part of the Klein ISD who desperately need that self-same influence. It's a privilege to be a dad, but that privilege carries awesome responsibilities. By God's grace, we'll be able to meet them And our children's lives will be different for all of eternity. Here at Faithbridge, we have what we call an open table. That is to say, if you have a relationship with Jesus or you would like to, you're welcome to come. All of our stations are gluten-free, if that is a concern for you. In just a moment, the ushers will begin to guide you down. As you come to the station, you'll take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and then partake. You're welcome to stay and pray. If you need someone to pray with you, we have some uh, red-shirted prayer partners who will be glad to come alongside and pray with you. Let me pray over the meal we are about to partake of, and then our ushers will guide us down. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us so much that you would sacrifice your only son. We celebrate that death today and we glory in his resurrection. Help us, O oh God, to be every bit as intentional with our children as you were with Jesus that they may choose to live their lives not for this world or for themselves, but ultimately and only for you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group Director, and I'm here with Pastor Dan, and he just brought the Father's Day message. Welcome, Pastor Dan. Hi. Hi, and happy Father's Day Thank to you. you. Thank you. What a great message we heard today. Um, very challenging, and a, and a look at three questions I think a lot of people ask themselves as parents, or mm -hmm. even if not as parents. Um, but as I sat there today thinking, um, I know that there's people there who this is not a happy day for them. It's right. not a day that they celebrate or even brings a lot of happy feelings for them. Um, I can think of first people whose fathers who've been absent, which you talked about that, but mm -hmm. people who've been hurt by their father. Right. Um, where's, where's the hope for them today? Well, uh, let me say, f first of all, that um, I agree and understand that yes, for some people, this is a very hard day. Uh, because their relationship with their father was either non-existent or it was uh, a bad relationship for a variety of reasons. Um, I think a starting place, it's not the resolution, but a starting place is to uh, 
first of all, um, acknowledge, yes, this was a reality in my life, but it's in the past now. Uh, I, I don't have to live that or relive that every day. There is a freedom that comes in Christ to move forward. Mm. Uh, part of the moving forward process is forgiveness. And I understand that every situation is different and in some forgiveness comes easily and for others it may take a lifetime, but ultimately that is the goal, mm -hmm. to find forgiveness in our hearts. I think it's very difficult to move forward about any situation, but certainly about our significant relationships if we have not been able to forgive. Uh, a third thought that comes to mind is turning our vision toward the future and choosing to learn from those things and determining how you will be different. Mm. Uh, we don't have to be prisoner to our past. We don't have to repeat the same mistakes that our parents made. And of course, all parents make mistakes. Uh, some just make worse ones than others. But we can be set free to set a new course for our children's lives and hopefully find some peace and comfort in that. Those are the three thoughts that come to mind right away. Those are good. Um, I know as you speak to a room that's full of different generations, mm -hmm. um, just thinking about the father who's sitting there thinking, man, I really screwed this up. Oh. I just personally didn't do these things that you're talking about. I wish I had heard this message 20 years ago, sure. but I didn't. And so now I have either children who are gone or adult children. Um, what would you say to, to them on Father's Day? Well, um, in a similar vein to the first uh, question, the, the first thing that has to happen is an acknowledgement that, yeah, I... I did blow it, you know, uh, own, take responsibility for that. And then moving forward, if it is possible, and I know in some cases it's not, but if it's possible, begin a conversation with your child where you let them know mm. that you know you blew it. Uh, begin the process of seeking their forgiveness and expressing your sorrow over what happened, expressing your desire for whatever years remain in, in whatever context the relationship is now to be a, a better parent. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's important to give your child an opportunity to say what they need to say because chances are good in most situations there's been a lot of unsaid stuff that has built up and built up and uh, they need the freedom to get that out. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of a, a more appropriate person to say it to than the one who was behind a lot of their, their pain. That won't be easy. It'll probably be a very, very painful experience. But um, healing in the, these kinds of things n n never is pain-free. It, it never is easy. Uh, when pain has been inflicted, often the only way to get back out of it is to go through some more pain. It's just pain of a different stripe. Um, in the event that that sort of communication is not possible, say the child has just totally cut off all contact, I think the next step for that person 
is to bear their soul before God mm. and make things right with Him and uh, continue to petition Him for the possibility of making it right with your child one day, but at a minimum, uh, getting your life squared away before the Lord and uh, letting Him do the, the work of healing and restoration that only He can do. It's a good word. Um, you did mention at the end, I'm thinking of another you know, set of gentlemen who could have been in the room today of those who don't have children yet mm -hmm. um, or never had children and don't have them in their lives right now. Um, and so you sort of put out a challenge of become a mentor or find, um, there's so many widows mm -hmm. or um, single, moms. single moms in our church. How, if, if I was sitting there today and that stirred in me that, I, yes, that's something I want to do to help, where, do, where would I go to get connected to that or to find someone that I could be involved to serve that way? Okay, well, I can think of three different avenues. Uh, the, the first would be really just open your eyes and look around. You don't have to look far. <laughs> Uh, our society is not a mom and a dad and mm -hmm. 2.5 kids anymore. It's often broken. And so you, you probably just need to pay attention. Beyond that, though, if your very best paying attention efforts aren't paying off, uh, Bridging for Tomorrow, our nonprofit ministry with Title I schools, there is no lack of opportunity there, none. Uh, there are single moms in abundance mm. down there and uh, lots and lots of children who need a positive influence. And that ministry lends itself to that through our mentoring program. And I know that uh, Maria Mafla and her team would love to have mm -hmm. as many mentors as, as possible. Um, a third avenue, I think, would be uh, word of mouth. Start asking. Mm -hmm. If you don't know of someone, well, ask someone that you think might, um, who perhaps maybe runs in circles uh, with younger moms or, or, or single even moms. In, in the grow groups. Yeah, even in your grow yeah groups. take advantage of your group. We have lots of grow groups that have single sure, moms. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, uh, that is a situation where uh, there's there's got to be a very slow movement towards a relationship. No, no single mom, of course, is just going to hand her child over. Mm -hmm. But uh, taking the necessary slow steps and the necessary precautions to make sure that everyone's good with the relationship and that it's a safe relationship, um, I don't think it'll take a whole lot of effort mm -hmm. to, to find somebody. Great. Great message today. Thank you. And thank you for um, just the encouragement for every dad or gentleman that was listening today. Sure. Thank you. And thank you for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org postscript.